It's Monday and it's 10 o'clock, which means it's time for Tim with Tim. It's the start of a new week and the start of a new week in the Word. And I'm excited. I'm excited because we are this much closer to Isaiah chapter 40, y'all. It's my favorite chapter in the whole book. It sits right there, you know, over halfway through. And uh, it feels like we'll never get there, but we're closer now because we are in chapter 36. Isaiah chapter 36 today. It is a real break in everything we're used to. If, if you were getting kind of bogged down, like you're thinking, you know, you know, how long can we just keep raining down destruction on the world? Because Isaiah got pretty dark <laughs> and we've been raining down destruction on the world for chapter after chapter. And thinking, how long do we have to, you know, judge the world? Well, let me just remind you, you know, it ain't happened yet. So, you know, God's just getting started with his judgment of the world. Uh, but at the same time, y'all, chapter 36 sort of breaks that tediousness of, you know, so many chapters that seem to be so much the same, you know, message of doom. And now uh, we go into a prose section, kind of a, a more of a narrative section, uh, which if you're with me when we just did Second Kings a couple of a couple of months ago, Second Kings chapter 18 to 20 tell the very same story with very minor variations. Uh, and so uh, I, I think this is kind of fun. Again, we just did it, so it's a little bit familiar story-wise. But still, in this context, with Isaiah being our, our storyteller, it's just really, really good. So jump in with me. Isaiah chapter 36, just 22 verses today. It begins in the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign. So we're King Hezekiah. Now, he's a good king. Hezekiah is portrayed in Scripture as the good king who trusts, right? So Hezekiah is the good king. Uh, the 14th year of his reign, 8th century, uh, probably we're talking about uh, right about the year 700, 701, something like that, B.C., 701 B.C. Uh, king Sennacherib of Assyria came to attack the fortified towns of Judah, and he conquered them, and now he is uh, coming up against the city of Jerusalem. That's where we begin. Uh, the New Living Translation you know, talks about this chief of staff who comes uh, to represent the great king of Assyria, but the Hebrew word there is Rabshaka, which I think is just, I mean, why would we not want to say that? When you can say Rabshaka, why would you say the, you know, the chief of staff? It's the Rabshaka of Assyria who comes in uh, and brings this message of warning uh, to Eliakim, Hilkiah, Shebna, Joah, Joah, the son of Asaph, I'm sorry, I butchered all those names. Uh, Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, Shebna, the court secretary, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the royal historian. So they are representatives there of Judah, and here we go. Uh, first off, notice what it says when it begins. This is what the great king of Assyria says. That's the beginning of that first speech there in chapter four, uh, chapter 36, verse 4. The great king of Assyria. Notice that that stands in uh, rather deliberate uh, you know, uh, opposition to thus says the Lord. You know, we're used to, you know, in prophetic literature, Isaiah especially, this is what the Lord says, thus says the Lord. But this is what the great king of Assyria says. And, and, and here we go. What's the great king got to say? Well, the great king is just there to unravel the courage of the people of God. Uh, and in that sense, uh, to me, I, I read this chapter and I just think this is how the devil works. Anytime the enemy is coming up against us to unravel our faith, this is pretty much how he works. And that's, that's how I read the chapter, you know. So think of it as the way the devil comes up against you, you know, in, in, in spiritual warfare, in, in battle. So what's the strategy? What's he going to do? Well, uh, 
understand this because it's this it's it's just the truest thing I know how to tell you. The devil really would rather not have to fight you because the devil doesn't have any real power. I mean, you got to remember that. The devil is himself a defeated enemy already. Jesus defeated him at the cross. But his strategy for you is is to get you to forget that. You know, so when he comes to you, sort of like when uh, the Rabshaka comes, you know, to uh, uh, Eliakim and Shebna and Joah, um, the, the, he just simply comes to uh, kind of find the loose string so he can pull that. You know, if he can find the right string, he can kind of like a sweater, you find the right string, you pull it, you can unravel the whole thing. And, and that's what the devil wants to do with your faith. Just pull its strings, find the loose string of your faith and see if he can unravel you. His goal, as I said, is, is not so much to, to fight you in the battle because honestly, if you were to engage him in the name of Jesus, he can't win, you can't lose. So his goal is to get you to accept defeat without ever engaging the fight. Did I say that right? You understand what I'm saying? He wants you to accept defeat without ever engaging the fight. And so this is exactly what happens here with the Rabshaka. Uh, it's the way the devil works. So he just comes in with questions, just like in the Garden of Eden when the devil said, did God really say, did God really say not to touch this fruit? You know, again, just, just see, find a little string that you could pull to unravel, you know, faith in the Lord. So, um, so he just comes in, what are you trusting in? Well, what do you trust again that makes you so confident? You know, because, you know, personally, I'm looking over your army. I'm looking over what you got and what you got don't look like much to me. So what exactly are you trusting in? Do you really believe that your military skill and strength can do you some good? I mean, notice just little questions. What are you trusting in? Do you really think, you know, who, who is it you think is on your side? I mean, this is exactly how he, he comes here. Again, the idea is to get God's people to just believe the lie from the beginning that you can't win, you know? And isn't, isn't that what the devil whispers to you all the time, you know, when he comes up against you? He just wants you to already believe you're a loser. You're already defeated. Give up, you know? Just give up. Why fight, you know? It's already over. The fight's over. You've lost. You've obviously lost, you, you know? I mean, this is exactly how the devil comes. And so... That's the first speech from the Rabshaka that says the great king of Assyria. Do you really think, I mean, who are you trusting in? What, what do you think you got? It's going to compare to what I got, you know? Again, the idea is to make them lay down and surrender before the fight even begins. So Eliakim and Shebna and Joaz are like, shh, shh, don't, you know, don't. Don't, don't, you know, lower your voice, uh, you know, let, let's, uh, let's don't speak Hebrew, let, let's speak, you know, the international language of diplomacy, whatever that is, there probably is one, but that's what they're saying. Let's speak the international language of diplomacy, let's don't speak, I don't want, I don't want, everybody's listening, you know, and that's when the Rabshaka says, oh, I want them to listen. You see, they're having this whole meeting here at the waterworks of the city of Jerusalem. Uh, in other words, you know, the, the Rabshaka has chosen the place of vulnerability. You know, this is their water su supply, their water source, and just kind of chooses to make this the meeting place. Every now and then, you know, he can talk and lean over and spit in their water just to remind them, oh my goodness, all I got to do is turn off the spigot here. I mean, you know, it's just... Right here, at the place of their vulnerability, the waterworks, at the place of the very source of everything they need for life, you know, he's just, I mean, and again, remember, they are going to lay siege to Jerusalem, and that's what happens. 
And so uh, he's just standing here at the waterworks, you know, and I say, you know, please keep your voice down. And says, oh, I want them to hear. So then he starts, you know, shouting out in their language, you know, and again, just a, another language, a, another speech. And the whole idea is just to, is to make them give up. You know, don't listen to your king, you know, undermining King Hezekiah's, you know, war plan, war strategy. Don't listen to your king, you know, don't listen to him. You know, I mean, don't let him deceive in, and, and, and certainly don't think the Lord's going to rescue you. I mean, notice how the Rabshakeh says, actually, you know, the Lord's on our side, you know. He's mad at y'all. I mean, that's what he says. You know, Hezekiah tore down some, you know, places of worship, you know. Hezekiah was actually doing reform. You know, he was doing God's work, but the Rabshakeh just muddies the water here. Yeah, he's out there tearing down churches, you know, so God's probably mad at y'all, and I mean, what do you think we're doing here? I mean, don't you think your God didn't send us here, you know? As a matter of fact, you surrender, and our whole plan is we're going to let you have a good summer, and then we're going to move you to another land where you can start a whole new life, and you're going to love it there, you know? Again, um, for the people of Israel, the people of God, there is no substitute for the promised land, you know? So you can't say, we'll take you to another land, you know? I mean, what's land? I mean, why is this place any better than another, any other place? Surrender to us. We'll let you get through the summer and then, you know, I'll take you to another land. But you're going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Just don't trust the Lord. Don't trust your king, you know. Trust us. Trust us. Just surrender to us, you know. Oh, my goodness. It, it, it is the most uh, demonic, you know, appeal, you know. Because on the one hand... It all sounds so logical, you know, because they don't have much of an army. And Assyria is awesome. And Assyria has done crushed all the nations between here and Assyria, you know. So now they're knocking on Jerusalem's door. What are they going to do? You know, what are they going to do? Well, if they want to have victory, they need to trust the Lord. And that's where the story picks up. Chapter 37 of Mara, Hezekiah you know, he's going to seek the Lord's help. Hezekiah is going to trust the Lord because he's a good king, right? Uh, so let's see what happens. I just love this. I love this. But oh my goodness, do you not hear echoes of the way the devil works in your life, the way he comes up and lies to you? I remind you, if you engage the fight in Jesus' name, you cannot lose, you know? But if you never, ever even resist the devil, you cannot win. You know, the only way to win is to stand, you know, in the name of Jesus and fight. And that's what the devil never wants you to do. So again, uh, the Rabshakeh comes to God's people with the aim of making them give up before the fight even starts. Don't you do that. Don't you do that. What, 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 what you're going to do is trust the Lord, right? That's where victory comes. Pick up right here tomorrow, uh, 10 o'clock, Lord willing, chapter 37, long chapter, verses 1 to 38, but it's really, really good. Isaiah chapter 37, verses 1 to 38 for tomorrow. I love you guys. Lord willing, I'll see you in the morning at 10 o'clock for 10 with Tim. Have a great Monday.